Hi, and welcome to the Unique Perspective Show, broadcast live on Hakol Radio, powered by the Montanivasar. Every person, and in particular, every Jew, is special and unique in his or her own way, contributing to society with their very own flavor. My name is Yehuda Blonder, your show host, and I was born with a rare medical condition called familial dysautonomia, also known as FD. Growing up and overcoming multitudes of medical challenges shaped the person I am today, as well as gave me a rather unique perspective on life. On this show, we will be sitting down with amazing people with unique perspectives in life who will give us a glimpse into their lives and what makes them who they are. Come along with me for the ride on the Unique Perspective Show on Hako Radio. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Unique Perspective Show. On today's show, I am thrilled and honored to have Ben Taplin on the show. Ben Taplin grew up in Lakewood, New Jersey, went to yeshivas in Lakewood. During high school, he went to Yeshiva of Waterbury, and then he went off to Eretz to learn in Yeshiva in Israel. Baruch Hashem, a little less than a year ago, Ben Taplin found his lovely wife, and Baruch Hashem, he lives in Manhattan doing amazing stuff for the crowd. Please help me in welcoming Ben Tapper to the show. Welcome, Ben. And how are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Beautiful morning here in New York. Where are you today? I am actually home right now in my uh, apartment in the city. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Lakewood, New Jersey, um, lived there till, uh, till high school, and then in high school, I bounced around a little bit, and uh, now here in New York. So what yeshivas did you go to in Lakewood, and start from there, growing up? So for the first, uh, for pre-Rone, I went to uh, Kamenetz, then I went to Besatar till six. Till seventh grade and seventh and eighth grade, I went to Tashbar. And and then for high school, where did you go? So I went to Belmar, there in Mir in Brooklyn. Um, I was in Atlanta for like a week, and then I was in Indianapolis, wow. and then wow. I was in Waterbury for twelfth grade. Wow! And did you Incredible. like Waterbury? Incredible. Incredible yeshiva. I love Barry Kilish. I made a lot of close friends there as well. And after high school, where did you go? So I started off in TJ in Israel, and then I okay. sort of bounced around all over Israel. And then I was in Asia Torah in the old city for close to a year. Wow. So after coming back from Israel, what was life for Ben Taplin? <clears throat> Great question. Um, so when I came back, I was helping my father. My father was in this farm business. I was okay. helping him out a little bit, but essentially I wanted to go to school to become a criminal defense attorney. 
I was looking into Temple University in uh, Philadelphia and uh, Northeastern in uh, Boston. Some, something obviously happened that you were not able to do that. What, what exactly transpired? Right. So while I was working for my father, I was living at a, by my parents in Lakewood. Okay. And I developed a lung infection. Beginning, didn't think much of it, as most uh, 20-year-olds, you know, when you're a 20-year-old, if something hurts a little bit, you suck it up and you move on. Uh, Essentially, it got really, really bad, and I started to have a lot of chest pain. And on January 9, 2014, um, I asked my brother to call out and they brought me to the hospital, and I was brought to Jersey Shore. And in Jersey Shore... How long were you there for? So when I first got to Jersey Shore, they knew it was some sort of pneumonia. But when they started to treat it, it wasn't that bad. And what had happened was while I was, I got to the hospital at 6 p.m. My father came with me. And, and shortly afterwards, the chest pain was just increasing astronomically. And wow. I asked, I, I begged the doctor to just put me out. It was, it was just, it was just too much. And that's okay. pretty much all I remember. But hindsight, from what I was told, my father had left the hospital around 10 p.m. And prior to leaving, there was a nurse in the hospital who, you know, saw my father was really nervous and said, "No, we'll keep an extra eye on him." And they were just observing me, monitoring me that I uh, would be fine taking antibiotics and hopefully the uh, infection would die down. That was the infection started my lower left lobe, and around one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock, um, the infection aspirated, which means it threw up internally. Now we still don't know the cause of what happened, but but. Essentially, it went all over my lungs. My lungs collapsed, started going to my heart, and uh, my body was shut down. So, Jersey Shore, great hospital, but everything was just collapsing. Nothing was working. Everything they tried, you know, it was it was pretty much over. That nurse that went over uh, to my father, yeah, go ahead. No, wow. Continue. Yeah, so that nurse that went over to my father is actually a nurse. Her name is Tamar Traub. I'm not sure if you uh, okay. know her at all. She was a nurse in Kim Simcha for a while. And um, she had done an, ec- an ECMO transport from Jersey Shore to North Beth Israel and had a relationship with a doctor named Dr. Barron. And she convinced Dr. Barron to take me, which essentially saved my life and I was right. wow. at, in uh, Newark, Beth Israel the following morning on Friday. Wow. So, so how long how long were you on ECMO for and were you always in that hospital, Beth Israel? So I was on ECMO for close to seven weeks, which at the time was one of the longest in the world. Uh, right. um, ECMO started... 10 years prior, uh, 10 to 15 years prior to me being on it, 
it started out in the neonatal units for children and the doctor that pretty much the main doctor that was monitoring it was an, a man named dr marche zucker who's one of the top cardiologists in the country and i was lucky enough to have him he actually is one of the people that tweaked ecmo and made it a lot more common for adults and just to give you a little framework when i was on it at that time period if you were on it for around two weeks you either died or you're taken off i was on it for close to seven weeks which was a major major feat now ecmo is something that is very very complex it's not an easy machine to run right today during because of covid it's more popular but essentially it's a lung or heart machine outside your body it's giving your heart and lungs or lungs either one arrest and doing the job i actually have my scars from it you can see them i don't know how clearly wow. but uh, it's a special machine which saved my life wow so so it all started after coming back from israel or it started in israel first and then you came back not knowing what exactly was going on no it's uh after israel I was back in I was back in America at that time right okay so after getting off ECMO how long did it take you somewhat get back to um, normalcy great question um, so I was on it for close to seven weeks I was okay. still in a coma and induced coma until for two and a half months wow. which part of that was was on ECMO and then even when I woke up which took uh, close to a week to wake up I was still ultimately in the hospital for a total of six months so another wow. yeah it was a lot longer yeah what once once you woke up and everything um did you did you remember did you have any recollection of what was going on what exactly happened to you or what was that feeling like right um no not right away it took some time the way i describe it to people is like i was a, like a baby again like okay. being reborn just a faster process but right. still when i woke up i wasn't fully aware of what was going on i couldn't really move couldn't talk i was straked I was on very heavy medication. I was in a tremendous amount of pain. So I really didn't know what was going on. I knew I was in pain, but until I, I understood what happened, that took some took some more time. Wow. So after getting home, after six months and being in the hospital, you came home, I'm assuming, and you still needed a lot of help, I'm assuming. Yeah, so I, I didn't go straight home. I actually went to Leaser Chateau in Lakewood, which is a rehab slash nursing home. I was in the rehab part for two months. I went there on six liters of oxygen. And by the time I left, I was able to cut it. They helped me cut it down three liters and were helping me to start walking again. That's something that took wow. time. And even when I got home, I was still outpatient rehab. I was on oxygen right. and it was pretty difficult for me to walk and it took it took a long time a lot of rehab 
and a lot of hard work to get to the point where I am Right. Wow. How long, eventually, eventually you got off oxygen. Um, how long did that take to finally get off oxygen? And how did you go about doing that? So it was a long process. It took years. My lungs were severely damaged from the original infection. And I still, I still have my lungs, but it was a very long process. A lot, a lot, a lot of therapy, a lot of hard work. And it's still, still difficult. I still have issues with exertion and I can't really run till this day. I can't really dance. Anything that takes a lot of, you know, breath is very difficult for me till this wow. day. But I've made leaps and bounds from where I was. So it's a yeah. lot of progress. It, it really is. Um, so now getting, getting past that and all that, how, I mean, I'm assuming you, con you consider yourself breast love. How did you get to... I don't. Do I don't want to say. I'm, I don't want to say I'm breast love. I don't know that I am one type. I would consider myself a Jew. Right, but I'm saying, what like what Hasidus do you consider yourself, or you don't consider yourself like part of any Hasidus? I wouldn't consider myself part of any specific Hasidus. I like to take different things from different sects of Judaism. For example, when talk about Breslov, I love a lot of what Breslov stands for. For example, to constantly be happy, which is something that right. you're incredible at doing. Um, to not give up. There's a lot of beautiful parts to Breslov, which I try to incorporate in my life. But I don't want to say I'm one specific Hasidus. I, I've been to Uman five times for Roshana, yeah. which are some of the best Roshanas I've ever had. But I, I wouldn't consider myself a specific Hasidus. So, okay, fine. Um, but you, I, I do know that um, you were a volunteer for a certain organization before you got sick, and then yeah. and then you you went back, you went back on that organization as a camper. Is that true? Or meaning? Yeah. Do you know anyone that ever that that ever happened to, besides you? No, I I actually, which means I, I was a counselor in Kids of Courage, two thousand and twelve. I think it was when I was eighteen, right out of high school. Um, Kids of Courage, uh, LA trip, which was purple T-shirts for those that remember. Um, okay. Then I came back as a camper for a couple of years, and then I actually went back to being a counselor. I was like Elvashalom's counselor, and wow. not like I did Max Baruch Hashem. Um, so, yeah, I was the only one. I don't think anybody ever did the full sandwich. That yeah. that's pretty. That's quite. That's quite amazing. And you, and so you're also involved with. I mean, another organization called High Lifeline. Um, yes. Is is that because it, when you were sick, they they helped you out, or I'm saying, how did you get get involved with High Lifeline? 
Great question. Um, so originally, the first organization when I was sick to help me out was when I was in the hospital work. They sent sisters, um, people to visit me. When I was back in Lakewood, they made events for me. And I ended up becoming good friends with Lee Schwartz, founder. I was heavily involved with him. Um, the story of how I got involved in, in the Kai yeah. Lifeline slash I was actually, when I'd gotten home after being in rehab, I was extremely sick still, uh, well enough to be at home, but very, very right. weak. Okay. Couldn't watch. It was, it was just a whole to do just to get me out of the house. I right. bucket because I used to throw up. I had a lot of challenges, and right. Waterbury Yeshiva, where I got to for twelfth grade, they were making parlor meeting. So my father shut me to get out of the house a little bit and said, "Why don't oh, you come I with me to it?" And I went to the parlor meeting. I was sitting on the couch, couldn't really move. And one of the people that was there was a man named Simcha Shane, who I know you know very okay. well. And uh, Simcha, being the tremendous Balchasari, is stole a kid on oxygen, really weak, and ran right over to me, started talking to me. And, uh, you know, I was just being polite, talking. You know, I knew who he was, but I didn't know much about him. Right. And we started schmoozing and... He says, why don't you come to Camp Silva this summer? And I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I'm sure he'll remember better than I, but vividly I remember, you know, not being so interested, but like if you could get me in, sure. And he ultimately got me into camp and made sure I had enough oxygen things here. He facilitated everything for me. Um, I was too old to be a camper at that time, so he creatively got me something called a stamper, which is a staff okay. camper, which meant that I worked, but also needed help. And Shlomo Tepper was my counselor to push me around, take care of my oxygen, et cetera, all my needs. And ultimately, I got much more involved with Lifeline. Um, if I was in the hospital, again, my Lifeline volunteers would come visit me. But I also reversed that as well. I used to go visit campers as well, got involved in the Shabbatones, in all aspects of high life on Islam. Wow. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. Is your computer running slower than molasses? Are you desperate to salvage important data from your hard drive? Let's face it, IT work can be a nightmare at times. Whether it entails virus removal, server or network setup, networking and cloud backup, or simple laptop and desktop ongoing IT support. At VentureTech, we understand how essential your systems are to your daily life, and we take the time to accurately diagnose every technical issue you're experiencing. Call us now for a consultation by dialing 347-603-0033 or shoot us an email to info at VentureTechComputers.com. And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. I, I actually do remember actually coming to visit you um, with another friend of ours in the hospital when you were in, I think it was somewhere in New York. I don't remember. NYU. I think it was NYU. NYU, right? It was NYU? Yeah. We came one yeah. night, me and Chaim Greenspan. We came yes, to yes, I do remember. Yeah. Um, but no, um, so fast forward, okay, Baruch Hashem, you're getting 
all better and getting back to yourself off oxygen and everything like that. Um, when did you know that it was that you were ready to get married? Wow, it's a great question. I would say it's not one like a light bulb switch that happens. I think okay. it takes a lot and a lot of work and years of work. And for each person, it's a very thing. For me personally, I put in a lot of work into myself okay. and mentally and physically, of course, not just what you see externally, but also right. internally. And even so, I wasn't so sure. I had my reservations, and my father actually was the one who really convinced me to take the leap. And I was lucky that not long after, so I, was, I met my wife. I didn't, she wasn't the first girl I dated, but it was right. shortly afterwards. How did you meet your car, your lovely wife? So we met at a Shabbos meal here on the Upper East Side. Okay. I actually, going into the Shabbos meal, wasn't even trying to I wasn't even thinking about it. It didn't even cross my mind. While I was there at the Shabbos meal, she was acting myself, I guess, just doing me. Okay. And she saw me and we started talking a little bit. Um, we were friendly-ish for around two months. And then we met at a big Shabbos meal here on the Upper East Side again. And we had a long conversation. And that was Friday night. And uh, Sunday morning, I called her up and I asked her out. Wow. Um, I, I, I don't know if you want to go, but what was that conversation like on <laughs> Friday night? I would just say it was, it was a very intimate, real conversation, really understanding... Wow where we were both out of life, what we wanted out of life, you know, the core values, our ideals. And we realized that it just made sense. Like we're on the same page. We want similar things. So why not go for that when you have that? Right. How long did it, how long did you guys, um, I, I'm, I'm assuming you guys dated. So how long did you guys date for? It was around 10 months before we got engaged. Wow. I think it was 10 Yeah. So it's actually your, your, I think your wedding anniversary is coming up in like a month or yeah. something. So yeah. That's yeah, pretty, that's pretty amazing. Wow. What does Ben Taplin do? I work for a, I work for a pharmacy company called Polaris. We do okay. pharmacy for nursing homes. So, Anybody that owns a nursing home or is an administrator, that's uh, that's who I'm talking to. And and I'm assuming you like the you like the the job. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a job. It's challenging, but it's also rewarding. It's a, something I like. I like sales. I like talking to people. So it works. I'm lucky. You're friends with literally the entire world. How did Ben Tappen do that? Meaning, how I think did? It's so natural. I, I I just love people. 
for me, I love people. So I love meeting people and people introduce you to other people or introduce you to other people. And ultimately you keep on meeting many more people. So being a part of many social circles and being a part of Cam Sikarge, you get to meet a lot of incredible people who introduce you to other incredible people. Yeah. So if you've been doing that for years, you end up knowing a lot of amazing, amazing people. Right. Wow. And uh, I mean, there's a story out there that that Mrs. Tapman did not know what she was getting her, herself into um, yeah. until she until you guys went out on one date or something, and people started coming over to you or something like that. Explain, please. Yeah, I think that was third or fourth date. Um, yeah, me and my wife never really crossed paths before we uh, right. started dating. I know who she was. She had no idea who I was, which I think was really, really nice in our situation. And I planned the first two dates. Okay. I think this was our third date. And I planned it. And she planned and uh, picked a certain restaurant. And I said, sure, let's go. And we went there and... We ended up, no, I ended up knowing a lot of people there, and she she's like, "Who are you? Like, what's going on?" Like, oh, just, just friends, and uh, yeah, I think that was the first time she started to see. But uh, it, it makes things a lot more fun when you have a lot of friends and people to enjoy uh, time with. Wow, that that is quite a, a an, actually a funny story that. She didn't know who she, who she was getting herself into with. Yeah. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. Paraflight. Better care in the air. When you need urgent medical attention or transport, you deserve peace of mind. Based on the East Coast, ParaFlight is a full-service medical transport company dedicated to providing dependable, compassionate, and customized care and service to patients and medical teams worldwide. Founded by emergency medical professionals, we understand the sensitive, critical needs of medical teams, patients, and their families. We transport patients and teams from tertiary care facilities, hospital to hospital, or any other destination across the United States and beyond. Our team never compromises on safety or quality of care, following a patient-first, not-profit-driven model of care. This ensures you get the exact customized medical transport solution you need. Check us out online at www.paraflight.aero. Call us today, 844-538-1911, or send an email to info at paraflight.aero. And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. Um, but um, I do see that um, you're very active on social media. Well, well I would say my wife is a lot more than I was. Um, I used to work, but now my wife is, I would say, a lot more than I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're also involved with the Tonsers, right? 
Yeah. Very involved. I love Sally and Jolly. Yes. How did you get involved with them? Originally, it's a good question. I think I was just at an event that they were at and saw what they were doing and the impact they were making and just naturally got involved. A very good mutual friend of ours, Nisano Gold, is very involved in that organization as well. It's where I met Yehuda Melman. Um, and I, I don't know if I get the credit, but I was one of the people who told them, why don't you come to Camp Sunflow? This is where you belong. Um, but me and my friend Mo Norowitz um, were heavily involved with the Tonsers for a very long time. And they do just incredible, incredible work. Um, they do two main things. They start okay. off more for, I would say, mitzvah weddings. I'll okay. loosely translate it. And they also visit the kids in the hospital and do a lot of parties for them in their home. They do a Hanukkah party, Purim party, and just the selflessness of the people who run it and the volunteers is something that I really, really connected with. So I'm not as involved as I used to be, but I still am pretty involved. I actually just went to an event with them this week. What is a what is a mitzvah wedding? What's what is that? What's the definition of a mitzvah wedding for the tancers? So every wedding that somebody goes to is a mitzvah. I mean, doing a right. and being the samachals, an incredible mitzvah. What we mean by a mitzvah wedding is usually whether the people don't have many people coming to their wedding. So it could be somebody who is an older soldier doesn't have a lot of friends. It could be a gear. It could be a yasam. It could be a bala bala chuva. There's actually tanzarets as well for the women's side. Which, oh, really? Uh, wow. Shemia Shami Adar, I know he's very involved in some others um, who really do also incredible work for women inside. But it's to really just make the Hassan and Kala happy and to dance in front of them and to do shtick. It should, the wedding should feel like every other wedding that we go to. You know, a lot of people take it for granted that we're so used to going to weddings and or Hashem, we both know a lot of people, so we usually go to weddings that are that have hundreds of people there, but there are people that don't have a lot of people get married in the same halls, and the halls can be empty, and the dancing, there could be 10 to 15 people there, and right. it just doesn't feel the same way. The energy is not the same. So when Zelig comes in with his group, and they just line up the place, it's just, it's a different ball game. It's, it's, it's a completely different, the whole, the whole dynamic changes. So I, I really connected to that and something that I was very passionate about. And how do they get notified of a mitzvah wedding type thing and then they send out notification? How do they find out? So I think every situation is different. I have been involved in a couple of them. Usually it's somebody that knows people getting married, that knows that it's not there's not going to be a lot of people, so they'll send a message to let's say somebody like me or usually at this point because tonsers are well recognized in the community they'll just message or you know zelly or Shelly and 
they'll send us a text. All they do really, they don't really tell us much information other than what time to be at the hall and which hall it is. Send us an address and say, we need a bunch of volunteers tonight who could come and we come. And it's a lot of fun. And it's, to be honest, some of my favorite weddings are Tonser's weddings. Because it's completely selfless. You're not going for any other reason other than the math, and it feels so incredible. It's I, I to all your viewers, I hope that everybody does. You don't have to do it for the tonsers, but you, wherever you live, whatever community you're part of, there's always situations where when people like this step up to the plate, the feeling that you get from that is, is just incredible. Wow. So how could um, we find out more about them and and how could we find more about find out more about the dancers? So either they could contact me directly or they could uh, Instagram and uh, search dancers and DM them directly or you know I'm not sure if they have a website but they could get in contact with me and I'll put them in contact with either Zella or Shelly. Okay, um, just one final uh, part. Um, so after Waterbury, you went to Israel, right? And you came back and whatever. Um, do you do you have like any? I I don't want to say regret, but um of of let's say not going straight from Lakewood Yeshivas to Waterbury directly or um yeah do you do you have any regret not going straight for high school to Waterbury? No, I, I don't I don't I don't look anything I had in my life as regrets. No. People ask me, do I regret being sick? Like if I right. if I wasn't sick. It's the same question. I think that everything that ever experienced in my life culminated to who I am today and made me who I am today. The only reason I appreciate the life I have, and yes, some may seem lacking in certain areas, is only because of all experience I've gotten to be able to appreciate life on a simple level, to its simplicity, okay. to live, breathing, walking, you know, eating. These are things that, unfortunately, I have to lose in order to appreciate them. So it's all the struggles that I've been through, whether it be in high school to go to Waterbury, whether it be, you know, whether it being, you know, at any point in my life, made me who I am today. I'm so grateful for that. It's challenging. Yes, definitely. There are a lot of challenges that I have, but ultimately you live a fuller and happier life because of challenges. The challenges help make you who you are, not the other right. way around. So right. not always to see that, you know, while you're going through it, but you could take previous experiences and hopefully remember that while you're going through a challenge and remember that it's not going to last forever and to take that and to hopefully not only utilize it for yourself but to make the world a better place through your challenges helping 
individuals who are suffering with similar life challenges that you can relate to them in a, in a way that people that have no clue, for example, a mutual friend of ours, Yerichi Ruby Elvishal, I was probably one of the only people that was able to relate to him in that way when he was suffering, not being able to breathe, and nobody else was, or very right. few other yeah. people were, and right. because of challenges. So it's it's more a matter of taking the challenges that you were given and making things better. And that's not an easy thing. I, I'm not going to say that I'm perfect about it or that I, you know, I, I didn't suffer tremendously through those challenges. But I, I think right. knowing that information and applying that is crucial. What was your relationship with Yohi Ruby? We're good, good friends. We had a lot of fun together. He's somebody who, <coughs> <coughs> sorry, he was somebody that he's still alive and he was the life of the party. He's somebody, one of the most beautiful things that he did is he didn't just look at you for being Hasidish or not Hasidish or from here or from there. He was somebody who yeah. loved everyone. He was somebody that brought a lot of people together. I met so many quality people because of him. He was a glue. Yeah. He, he literally was... He always, we always had fun together. Wow. Yeah. I, think, I, think this, I think this episode will be coming out like a day or two before his yard set. So it's actually pretty amazing. Um, but, uh, it's all yours. Give, give some shout outs, Ben. Give shout out, shout outs to you, all your friends. I'll give a shout out to you. You're lady, somebody who does incredible things. You give up people tremendously and you're making the world a better place. You have your child, you know, in spite of them, you've done incredible work. Works, who is productive and smiles constantly. And my bracha to you is continue doing everything you're doing and just make the world a better place. Thank you so much for having. I mean, but not not me. I, I want I want you to give some shout outs to other people that you that your friends were. Well, if you give shout outs to one, another one so you can shout them. Shout out to everyone. Everybody have a fantastic day. Hope you gained something from this conversation. And I thank you again, Yehuda. Thank you. Have a great day. You have just listened to the latest episode of the Unique Perspective Show, broadcasted live on Hako Radio, powered by the Munson Mavasar. The Unique Perspective Show is hosted by Yehuda Blonder, who can be contacted through Hako Radio by sending an email to info at hakoradio.com. This show and many others can be found in the Hako Radio archive system on our website and mobile apps and can also be found on all major podcasting services.